Welcome to the Chrome Show, Gigom's weekly podcast where we talk about all things Chrome, Chrome browsers, Chrome books, Chrome extensions. And with me, as always, is Kevin C. Tofel, our resident Chrome expert. I'm Jan Koretkas, writer for Guillaume. But Kevin, how are you this week? I'm good. You, you always say, as always, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Like, do you want somebody else here? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, it's like we're like an old team. It's this like, is true. Once again, re returning favorite. You are returning favorite, really. <laughs> you got it. Also, the only number we get. <laughs> but um, in any case... Um, we, we might be the same old guys, but we do have some news this week. And we do actually have some new devices this week to talk about. Yeah, it's not too often that we do. Um, and these are actually similar to a recently uh, debuting new device. Acer is going hog wild here with Chromebooks. They've got two more that are brand new for the education market. That doesn't mean you have to be in the education market to buy them, but they're selling through the education channels. Um, and they're similar to the more recent ones that they've just announced. So there are two of them, as you said, Yanko. There's the C740 and the C910. Um, the 740 is the smaller one, and the 910 is a 15.6-incher. I'm almost positive that uh, C740 is 133 three inches. I'm just double checking here. Uh, they both start with 1366 by 768 resolution. Uh, although you can get the uh, full HD IPS, it says, IPS display, 1920 by 1080 on the C910. So that's kind of interesting. These also use uh, the new fifth generation uh, Intel Celeron 3205U or Intel Core i3 processors. And as we know from prior shows, uh, that's the new Intel Broadwell chip. Uh, so these will have a, at least the same performance as prior models and probably a little bit more battery life. In fact, Acer says you can get or expect uh, nine hours on the smaller device and up to eight hours on the larger device. So uh, specific for for education, as I said, and, and I just verified the C740 is an 11.6 inch display. Sorry about that. Uh, these are reinforced too, though, because you know, students, they throw these things around, you know. These kids these days. I know, they don't take care of anything. My goodness. Yeah, I'm kidding. Um, but these are heavily reinforced. The covers are reinforced so they can withstand, according to Acer, up to 60 kilograms of force. So, like, you can almost jump on it, I think. Uh, don't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, corner, the corners of the devices um, are also reinforced. They can tolerate up to a 45-centimeter drop without damage. Hinges are a little extra duty. And uh, they're extended metal hinges to keep the device more rigid. So... Uh, you know, I mean, that that's kind of a smart move on, on Acer's part from a design standpoint. And I guess people want to know pricing. Yeah, you think? Probably. Probably. I mean, the jumping part is interesting, too, but well, the money may yeah, matter as I well. won't do that with a review unit, Acer. I promise. If you send me one, I will not jump on it. We will see. Uh, so what's going to happen on the pricing? They actually changed this up at the last second. So I have the latest news here. The larger C910 will come with either a 16 gig or 32 SSD drive, and either model will have 4 gig of RAM. So no matter which you get uh, on the storage side, 16 or 32 gig of of storage, you're still going to get 4 gig of RAM. That starts at $299.99. I got to believe that is the 1366 by 768 resolution. Still waiting to hear what that 15-inch full HD Chromebook will cost. I'm still thinking 350-ish, but we'll see. Uh, the smaller 11.6-inch model, which is the C740, will come with 16 gig of SSD drive space, either 2 gig or 4 gig, and starts at $259.99. So my guess is 2 gig will get uh, will be the 
259 model and you'll pay more for the 40 gig i do not know yet acer has not said how much and if it sounds like Kevin is just making this up as he goes along, not <laughs> making this up, but I'm not. gathering information as he goes along, this is actually because this is being announced tonight. So if you listen to the show when, on the day it comes out, this is just a few hours old. It's it's probably one of the freshest things we're going to have on this show we're taking since we are a weekly show. We're taking a chance here because you know we've got this information early and we're not supposed to talk about it until a certain time. So hopefully Acer actually does announce on time and the podcast will follow and you will all know what we know. Otherwise we're in trouble. Yes. <laughs> you may never hear of us again. Nope. <laughs> in any case, so um, you, one of the details that you mentioned is it's for the education market, but you don't have to be a student or a teacher, I guess, to buy these. So you, you just would just go to the Acer education website to, to buy one of those if you're interested in in. Uh, a Chromebook that can carry a small child sitting on on, on it, I guess, it's, on the screen. It's, it's actually not clear yet. This is one of those, hey, we're announcing this now, and, and as they say on their press release, exact specifications, prices, and availability were, will vary by region. Um, you know, the, the Dell Chromebook, for example, was an education-specific device, but you could get it uh, at times online. So I don't know if and when or how you're going to be able to get this if you're not an educator, but either a third-party retailer perhaps or, again, Acer themselves might sell it. So uh, we'll have to stay in the loop on that and keep an eye out because if it does come out for sale, we can let you guys know. And that way, uh, even though it's aimed towards schools, I, I wouldn't be shocked if you couldn't find it somewhere. That's just a guess. And, and plus everybody has a student somewhere. Everybody. Hey, I'm a student now. We're a student at heart. Yeah. You are an actual student. Yeah, I just got my student ID last week. Yeah, very excited. And, and now you're driving bus half price of the whole time. <laughs> oh, I, I, got a, I got a free shuttle with Wi-Fi between campuses, man. I am. Oh, ah, yeah. very nice. Oh, yeah. Nice. I'm styling. Yeah. All righty. Um, I don't even know how to follow up on that. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I'm so okay. jealous of Kevin's student lifestyle now. Um, but uh, we got some other news. Um, this is actually kind of interesting. We talked about this in the past. Um, I think a couple of months ago, actually, Google added photo upload mm-hmm. to, to Chromebooks. So a photo uploader, if you put in an SD card, if you have an SD slot, or if you connect something, it would automatically upload your photo. It sounds like this is now coming to all kinds of files. It sure does sound like it. And, and kudos to OMG Chrome for going through the uh, the commit logs of of Chrome in the dev and beta channels and all, they found out that the new the I'm sorry the Chrome Files app, uh, the standard Files app, has some functionality in there that's not really public, not really live yet. But here's what they're saying: uh, they've written it up as an entirely new cloud import feature is on the way, one that will allow files stored on MTP devices such as smartphones, external drives, SD cards like with the photos that we just talked about. Um, that all these files from these devices will be easily and quickly backed up to Google Drive. So essentially, uh, I don't know all of the file formats that will be uploaded. It may be all kinds of file formats. It may, may be very specific ones. We don't know yet until Google launches this. But yeah, it looks like a, uh, a cloud import feature for auto backup to Google Drive when you connect, say, a phone or an SD card or, or you know something to that effect. So yeah, I like that, um, especially when Google's giving you 100, 200 gig or a terabyte of drive storage. You know, If you need to, to back something up, it's, it's a handy space to have. So that's a pretty nifty feature. And uh, something else is coming to Chromebooks that actually... 
I was a little puzzled about this. <laughs> remote access to Chromebooks. We've talked about Chrome remote, mm -hmm. uh, Chrome remote desktop, rather, I think it's officially called, um, before. But now you can remotely log into your Chromebook. Why would anyone do that? Well, uh, just or maybe hmm? summarize the news for us. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, let me, let me just clarify. We've always had the Chrome remote desktop app uh, and or extension. So that way, if you have uh, a Chromebook and you want to tap into a Mac, a Windows machine, a Linux computer remotely, and if that box has Chrome on it, you can certainly remotely access and use those computers from your Chromebook. Now you can actually access a Chrome OS device from one of those computers. So it's kind of like in reverse. Now, as to why you may want to do that, you know, I mean, I can't think of any reason that I personally would want to use it. I mean, all of my files are stored in Google Drive, so it's not like I need to remotely access a Chromebook to get at those files. But from a tech support standpoint, I could definitely see some benefits where maybe you have a family member or somebody who's not so tech savvy, a friend that has a Chromebook, they're having problems or maybe they're stuck on a on the beta channel, they don't know how to get to the to the uh, stable channel, you could remotely access and, and use their Chromebook to help with tech support. I think that's probably the biggest draw right there. That actually makes a whole lot of sense. I was kind of wondering about this because Chrome apps, you basically can access anywhere with a Chrome browser, right? Right. I mean, maybe there's like some, if you wanted to access that Android app ported to Chrome, on your computer, this would be a way to officially sanction, an officially sanctioned way to do it. But other than that, I couldn't really find, but tech support makes a whole lot of sense. And having another person on the other side that you help, that, that's a little bit of a different scenario, but it's actually when that's very, that this whole, that the whole Chrome remote desktop is very useful for already. And now extending that to Chrome devices, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And when you think of Chromebooks, I mean, certainly there are tech-savvy people using Chromebooks, no, no doubt about it. But there's also people who maybe haven't used a computer in years or, and, or just getting to using computers. Uh, and they go with a Chromebook because it's simple. Even though it's simple, they may still have problems. And, you know, you can give them a hand this way. I, I, I could see that benefit. I couldn't use it for much of anything else. But, you know, I'm sure people will find creative ways to use this. The child, the six to kilogram child that's sitting on its Chromebook and doesn't know what else to do with it. Yeah, no, you can help it too. You can't use a remote Chrome, a Chrome remote desktop to boot them off the Chromebook if they're stepping on it. That, that that's true. not going to work. Yeah. Don't, don't jump on your computer. <laughs> Stop it. Don't listen to Kevin. All right. Well, um, what else is new with Chrome? I guess there's an update to the Chrome for iOS app. There is. Uh, Chrome version 40 is now available for both iPhone and iPad. And, you know, like many of the new apps for iOS 8, it's optimized for the, the operating system as well as the bigger phones of the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus. Those higher res screens uh, are now supported and optimized in Chrome for iOS. It also brings Google's material design to Chrome for iOS, which, hey, if you're an Android user, you've seen material design probably for the better part of six months, either in an app or an Android 5.0 or something. So that's not too big of a deal there. This is really interesting, though. Google added handoff support from Chrome to the default browser on OS X. And for those who are not familiar, handoff is a feature for both iOS and OS X that lets you, say, use an app on maybe an iPad or an iPhone, and then you, you put that device down, you move over to your Mac, and all of a sudden you can pick up in the same app on your Mac. It's kind of really interesting. It's a very seamless computing method between two very different devices. The, the neat thing here is 
when you use Chrome for iOS, say I used it on the iPad earlier today and I was browsing, when I went to my Mac, it actually said, oh, do you want to open up the browser and go back to that page you were just using? It will actually open up either in Safari or Chrome on OS X or, I guess, Firefox, whatever your default browser is. That's kind of unique. So you could be in Chrome on the iPad and then pick up in Safari right where you left off on OS X. Kind of different. That is interesting, in particular if you do use multiple browsers, obviously. Mm-hmm. Because before, obviously, you could access pages that you had opened in your Chrome mobile browser on your Chrome desktop browser before. But that wasn't Apple's hand, uh, handout, I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, handoff, um, rather. So so that's interesting. I guess, uh, I, I don't, do you use, which, what's your default browser on, um, on your Mac? It typically is Chrome, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I tested Safari just to check the handoff feature with Chrome for OS because that's really unique to go from one browser to another. Yeah, you know, um, that's interesting. And it did work. It worked perfectly fine. And then I switched my default browser back to Chrome. <laughs> interesting. Anyway, so that's, that's new for everybody on iOS. iOS. Mm-hmm. And I guess now inevitably comes the part of the show where I talk about Chromecast. And there's not a whole lot of going on in Chromecast land, so to speak, this week. Except I had one story that was left over from CES, which also on the on the surface is only a minor story. So when I wandered around at CES at one of the shows there, uh, I stumbled across the people of, of that do Play On. Which uh, have you ever used it, Kevin? I've heard of it, but I have not used it. So it's basically a way to get uh, web video channels, websites, videos from various websites onto. Um, connected devices or on mobile devices. You have a little server application typically installed on your computer that just takes these videos and sometimes transcodes them and then streams them to uh, DNA devices or other Roku box and, and, and devices like that. Now, what they showed off at CES was a desktop application because people, lots of people still watch uh, video, obviously, on their desktop and still like this organized because they also not just take these videos on all these websites, they organize them in channels for you. You can subscribe to these channels, jump from one episode of a TV show to the next one. Kind of neat stuff. But now they have a desktop application coming out that kind of does the same stuff on a Windows PC. But what was interesting about that is that the desktop application also supports casting. So sending videos straight to a Chromecast or an Android TV. Now, why is that interesting? Because Google has never actually officially published uh, an SDK for Windows mm. or for any other desktop uh, operating system. Right. You can cast out of some apps on, on Chrome, obviously, or on, out of your Chrome browser. You can cast web apps. But you can't cast out of nest native desktop apps, officially anyway. Mm-hmm. But I guess the, the Play On folks who always are kind of like a little bit the underdogs anyway, uh, kind of pick and choose a little fights with broadcasters and everybody, um, decided to, well, just take a look at how Chromecast works and reverse engineer the whole thing basically and put that into the desktop app. <laughs> it's one of the first ones that I've seen do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be interesting to see if, if more apps like that come out. I think some folks have broadcasting in in a similar fashion to Windows Phone in the past because Windows Phone is also not supported. There's no SDK for Windows Phone. But now there's also one for Windows. And they may bring the same desktop app to uh, to macOS in the future as well, OS X. 
Very cool. Very cool. And, you know, it's not on our show notes, but you mentioned Windows. So I'm just going to say uh, the day this podcast comes out is the Microsoft Windows 10 event. And I'm still just kind of crossing my fingers and hoping to see that they they do something different. And I know I mentioned it on the last show. But I just want to re- re- rehash it real quick. They do something different to combat Chromebooks. I'm not saying I want to see you know, Windows defeat a Chromebook or anything like that. You know, it's not about that. I just want to see a, another viable alternative. And to me, I wonder if they'll take the Windows RT and Windows Phone platform, merge those together, and throw those on a, on a low-cost desktop and have control over the whole system and get rid of some of the complexity of the full Windows desktop. But we will see. That was certainly interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else to expect from there that could have any impact on Chrome? I don't think so, other than, for what it's worth, Microsoft is sure to show off their new browser, which is called Spartan. Well, that's the code name. Uh, it does not use WebKit. still using their, I think it's they use the Chakra JavaScript engine. So, you know, I mention it only because it's browser, but no, I don't think anything in regards to Chrome. I'm kind of sad that Spartan is only the code name. That would be a great name for a browser. Like, yeah. Get back to the browser wars. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, uh, that would keep us busy for a while. In any case, (laughs) um, we frequently get contacted by by listeners. And I guess one of our listeners had a pretty good question, which we we debate every now and then here on the show. Like, when is it time to buy a Chromecast? uh, Not a Chromecast. A Chromebook, rather. And uh, our most recent advice was, don't do it now. And one of our listeners had a question about that. Right. So it was just last week where we said, you know, maybe now's not the best time to buy a Chromebook because there's going to be new ones with the new Broadwell-based processors. So um, on our SoundCloud embed for the show, Eric left this comment or question. He said, I'm, I'm thinking about buying a Chromebook now, something small and cheap like the Acer 11.6-inch, which is $199 at Best Buy. But after hearing this show, meaning last week's show, I'm wondering how worth it it would be for me to wait. Can you give me a better idea what the practical improvements would be in the next wave of Chromebooks or how much cheaper they might be willing to sell me the current Acer at that point. Thanks for everything you're doing. Very helpful, Eric. So, you know, I mean, if you really, if you need, want a Chromebook and you have the money now, I'm not saying don't buy it. I mean, you're going to get value out of it. I think that is what you said. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I mean, I always, I, I don't like telling people how to spend their money. So that's, that's the thing. No. If you need a device and you've got the money, then yes, I totally understand. Go out, get what you need right now. I don't think you're going to get that much of a, of a boost here by, um, by, by holding off because the, the next generation of Chromebooks is using, as we said, the Broadwell-based processors instead of the Haswell or the Bay Trails. You're going to get about the same performance as you'd see today, Eric. So you're not going to see a performance boost if you wait. You probably will see some extra battery life, all things being equal. That new processor could add maybe an hour, hour and a half of runtime. So if that's important to you, the battery life, I probably would wait. Um, I'm also thinking there's going to be some better displays that are being used. Just from looking at some of the newer Chromebooks, the, the the panels that these guys are using, that the hardware manufacturers are using, just seem to be a little bit better all around, uh, better viewing angles, better brightness, better color, uh, better colors. So that's something else I would say you may benefit by waiting on. So as far as that Acer that you're looking at that's $199, you know, 
I couldn't say with any certainty if the price is going to drop, but I would not be surprised to see it drop down to 179 or maybe even less once the newer crop of Acers come out. That's because these these um, sellers have to get rid of the, their inventory and, and Acer has to get rid of the inventory that they have of the older models to make room on the shelves for the new ones. So, you know, long story short, if battery life is important and or the display is important, I probably would just wait a little bit longer if you can. If you can't wait, I don't think you're getting a bad deal there at Best Buy. And just to clarify, when you talk about better displays, you don't necessarily mean HD displays, resolution. That's just correct. View, viewing angles and brighter displays, right? Because when we get to HD, usually it's another $50, on top of right. Exactly right. Good point. It's not just the resolution. You may still see a, a 1366 by 768 model. We, we just said that at the top of the show that some of the newer ones have that. But the actual display panels seem to be of a higher quality, at least the few that I've seen so far. Um, so again, you're right. It's not necessarily the resolution, but just the quality of the, of the actual hardware component itself. Okay, well, very good. I hope that helped, Eric. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think we're now at the end of the show almost, except for one of our favorite segments, the app or extension of the week. And uh, Kevin, what did you find for us this time? Well, I think last week we said I was going back to college to go take some comp sci with Java, and I was going to maybe look into doing some Chrome extensions, maybe a podcast extension for this show or others. Well, I haven't done that yet because class hasn't started. So I actually went to see, are there any good podcast apps out there on the Chrome web store? I looked at about five, and out of the, the, the bunch that I checked, Smarter Pods seem to be pretty decent. Uh, it's an extension that you can subscribe to and listen to podcasts. It is still in beta, and there is no offline support yet. But I tested it. It worked very well for what it does. Uh, supports two speed, two x playback speeds. It will even remember where you left off listening, even though it's not storing everything locally. It's not actually storing the audio file locally. So if you listen, say, to 10 minutes of the show, and you've had enough of us ranting, and later on in the day you want to go back and listen, you can do that. Hit the extension button and hit play, and it'll pick up right where it left off. So I, I like that. Uh, again, it's called SmarterPod, and we'll put a link in the show notes for that. Of course, I would wish for people to listen from the beginning to the end. <laughs> don't take a break. Don't go to the bathroom. Stay tuned for the whole thing. But no, this looks pretty good. I'm looking at it right now. And don't jump uh, on your Chromebook either. Don't jump on your Chromebook, <laughs> no. Unless you uh, weigh less than 60 kilograms and you have a new education model. Right. Um, in any case, I think this is it from us for this week. And we're all crossing our fingers that the uh, embargoed news or the news that we mentioned <laughs> at the top of the show actually is going to come out. Um, otherwise, I'm in trouble. So you may hear from us back from jail. Just kidding. It's, a, <laughs> it's Tech news is not that hard. But um, uh, thanks for listening once again. Uh, and next week, we're going to be back with new stuff, hopefully, for you. Thanks again. Thanks, everybody.